Uh, the reading today is taken from Mark 13, that's split first uh, verses 1 to 4, and then verses 23 through to 37. The destruction of the temples and the signs of the end of time. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, Jesus replied? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? So be on your guard. I have told you everything in advance. But in those days following the distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, and from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, you see these things happening. You know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, sorry, my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. Each one of them assigned a task and tells the, uh, tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, what I say to everyone, watch. Amen to that. Thank you. In our morning services, we're working our way through Mark's Gospel, roughly a chapter at a time. And uh, as Tim reminded us so well last week, throughout his ministry, and particularly in the final week before his arrest, Jesus was on a, a collision course with the religious authorities. He'd spoken against them in the temple in Jerusalem, right in the heart of their power base. And today in this chapter, we find him continuing to issue his warning for people to change course, otherwise there will be dire consequences. He's been speaking about how God doesn't judge by outward appearances. At the end of the preceding chapter, we see Jesus watching a widow putting two tiny coins 
into the offering. All she had to live on. And Jesus compared her to the rich people who were extravagantly putting a fraction of what they had into the offering. She gave as an extravagant act of worship and faith in God, even though her gift looked paltry. I would suggest her gift was fridge-worthy and she was fridge-worthy. But it's almost as if his disciples just hadn't really been paying attention. A bit like some of you this morning who will probably spend time just looking around at the architecture here. Because while Jesus was saying, don't be taken in by how things look, his disciples were going, wow, look at these amazing buildings. Despite all that Jesus had been saying to them, they were still impressed by appearances. So Jesus said something to them that was really shocking. This will be destroyed. The temple is doomed. Not one of these impressive stones will be left on another. A little like some of the devastation that Russia has caused in Ukraine. And that destruction would be both an illustration and a result of the dry, ritualistic religion that was the opposite of what God had wanted. Now, of course, his followers missed that point completely. As soon as Jesus said, this temple's going to be destroyed, they wanted the facts and the figures. When's it going to happen? What's it going to be like? But Jesus doesn't give them times or dates. In the part of the passage between the sections that Paddy read for us, Jesus gives them some signs to look out for. But he also tells them how to react in those circumstances. These words appear often. Watch, be on your guard, watch out, pray. And they all come together in this passage as the way to respond to cataclysmic events. Luke has a record of the same teaching that Jesus gave. And he summarizes it at the end with these words from Jesus' lips, watch and pray. So I'm going to do a little bit of parallel preaching and take something from both of those sections this morning. But let's have those words echoing in our ears as we go on. Watch and pray. It seems to me that wherever you go in the world, if there is traffic, there are traffic lights. Now, In this country, when the traffic lights change colour, when they go from green to amber, we all know that means stick your foot down and try and get through. In some countries I've been to, the traffic lights change colour, but the traffic doesn't seem to pay any attention. It's just as if they're there for decoration. And uh, there you really do just stick your foot down and hope that the gap you're aiming for is still there when you get there. Perhaps if they'd had traffic lights in Jesus' day, instead of talking about the fig tree, he might have used those as an illustration. You know what to do when you see traffic lights, and actually, if it turns amber, it's not florid. With the fig tree, people know when the leaves come on the tree, it's coming towards summer. And we know what that's like now. We see the blossom on the trees. Spring is in the air. Jesus is saying, take notice of what's happening around you. 
And yet there are two opposite dangers with that taking notice, which we need to be aware of. The first is not to be obsessed. Sorry, wrong button. Don't be obsessed with these end times. You're right, Malcolm, that in generations past, possibly because of the impending threat of nuclear destruction, the end times were a big subject. And I can remember reading a book called The Late Great Planet Earth and being scared witless as a teenager by it. And the person writing the book was trying to interpret everything that was in the Bible and saying, this is what's going to happen, and this is where it's going to be, and this is when it... Jesus was saying, don't use this as a checklist. Don't tick it off like that. It's not what it's there for. Jesus warns us against speculating about the end times. And Mark tells us, Jesus said, even he didn't know it when it would be. So why do we think we can work it out? Instead, he told his followers, be alert, watch and pray. His disciples asked him, when will this happen? And his answer was, don't try and work it out. Just remember that eternal life, life in all its fullness, starts here and now. Don't be so focused on the future that you ignore what's happening now. Watch and pray about what's happening now. But equally, secondly, don't be complacent. Don't ignore completely that there is a future dimension. Some people live their lives oblivious to the fact that time will end. Well, it's been 2,000 years and he hasn't come back yet. Maybe he never is. Those sorts of people are living this life as if it's all there is. As if Jesus isn't coming back. But he says one day that light is going to turn green. So live ready to go. Hold lightly to our possessions. Watch. Wait. Be ready. Watch and pray about the future. Don't be so focused on this life that you miss out on the fact that there is a life to come. In Luke's account of this teaching, Jesus says, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape and stand before the Son of Man. Two equal but opposite dangers. Don't be obsessed and don't be complacent. And the answer to avoiding both is watch and pray. Recognize that God's kingdom is coming here and now, on earth as it is in heaven. And that kingdom comes every time we act in God's purposes, every time someone says to God, your will be done. But recognize too that Jesus promises that there is life beyond death as well as life in all its fullness now. Life in God's presence that is just beyond anything we can imagine or experience. An era that will be ushered in when Jesus fulfills his promise and returns. And we don't know when, but he says, just live in anticipation that it will happen. Everything else I have said and promised has come true. This will too. Watch 
and pray. And that phrase, watch and pray, may be familiar to you because it's the same phrase that Jesus used for his disciples when he was in Gethsemane. And he told them, watch and pray. So what does watching and praying look like? Well, it involves us looking at what's going on and trying to see it how God sees it. Praying that God will reveal how he wants us to respond. Being alert to what's going on around us, not sticking our head in the sand. And being passionately prayerful about it. Praying for a godly response to what is going on. Watch is not in the same way that we watch telly. We're fairly passive consumers of what's on TV. In fact, if the next day someone asks you to tell you everything that was in a particular program you'd been watching, you might get one or two of the big themes, but a lot of it will have just gone in and out. Watching here is a very active thing. That's why it's linked with be on your guard, be alert. It's like a sentry who's on watch. Their head is on swivel. They're looking out. But here, our watching isn't just with our physical eyes. We are to be watching spiritually. Seeking to see things how God sees them. And then responding in the way that he would want us to. And watching and praying isn't just an individual activity for us. It's a corporate activity for us as a community of faith as well. And if the watching isn't a passive thing, then neither is the praying. The praying isn't simply sitting down and praying a quick God bless them on behalf of others. It's trying to see things how God sees them and respond in the way that that motivates us. Telling God about it, I love the way that you prayed, Mark, today, from the heart, and just poured out to God how you were feeling. Sometimes our heartfelt emotions are so strong that we can't actually articulate what we're feeling. And the wonderful thing is that God's Spirit in us translates that in God's presence into prayer on our behalf. But we know prayer isn't a one-way conversation. God's going to respond to our prayers. And we also know that many times his response to us is a bit like when Jesus had his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, there's a big crowd of hungry people here. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. We come to him and we say, look at this. This is really upsetting. And Jesus says, you do something about it. That's watching and praying in harmony. If you read the middle part of this chapter, you will see Jesus is warning his disciples to be ready for some really significant moments. Not long after Mark finished writing this gospel, the Romans came in and razed Jerusalem to the ground. They did destroy the temple in AD 70 in response to a Jewish uprising. No stone was left on any other. The Wailing Wall is actually the foundations. The big stones the disciples were looking at were gone. 
And Jesus had warned the Christians to watch and pray and get ready, because when that happened, get out of there. And they did. They dispersed across the whole of the Roman Empire. And it's one of the ways in which the good news of Jesus was spread. Nero was the emperor at the time, and we know of the atrocious persecution of Christians that he initiated. But the Christians were ready for it. They were watching and praying because Jesus had warned them about it. But rather than run, their prayer was that God would give them the courage and the grace and the strength to refuse to deny their faith in the face of torture and death. Watching and praying isn't necessarily easy. What might it look like for us today? I think the key is for us to be seeking to see things as if we are seeing it through God's eyes and praying, God, how should we respond? So when we see the appalling events in Ukraine on the news, don't just say that's awful. Can you write to your MP or to the government and urge them to do all they can to press for peace? Can we be on our knees praying passionately that God would bring an end to this? That he would raise up people who can mediate a peaceful resolution, a just resolution. When we see the images of the flood of millions of refugees from Ukraine, do we think, oh, how horrible for them? Or is there more we can do? We as a church have signed a pledge that we want to be involved and supported and active if refugees are settled in Plymouth. And if you'd like to be part of that, have a word with Kate, because she's coordinating that with Steve Forrest. Actively responding to what we see. When we see huge increases in the cost of living Some have already happened and some are happening this week with fuel bills going up. Do we just wring our hands? Do we wonder how we will cope? Or do we watch for those, and some of them may be among us this morning, who will have to choose between whether to pay for gas and electricity, food or clothes? Can we see what we might do to respond? It might be as simple as pointing them towards those who may be able to help them. The money focus group that meet here, the bigger table that offers food and support. Or maybe part of our praying will mean we're prompted to do something else, maybe even offer to help out with some of those activities, to serve those who are even more vulnerable among us because of our financial circumstances. When we think about the needs of our family and friends, Yeah, we often remember to pray for them. But are we also watching? Are we trying to see them as God sees them and respond how God wants us to? I heard of a mother who was talking on the phone with a lonely child, and that child wasn't interested in church, but the mother took a risk and said, there is a church down the road. If you're lonely, they would welcome you. Now, it's up to the child whether or not they take that opportunity. But the mother took a risk to offer a God solution to the problem. 
when we think about someone we know who doesn't yet know Jesus, are we watching and praying for them? Trying to see them how God sees them. Praying for an opportunity that we might be able to share the good news that we have with them. Praying that his spirit will help to make them receptive to that moment. Praying that he'll help us to express our faith in a way that they will find helpful. Praying for the courage that when that moment arises, we will take it. And when we think of people who feel that God's just not interested in them because of the way that churches have treated them in the past, are we watching and praying? Watching out for them, looking for ways in which we can show and tell them that God's kingdom is for them too. There is space for everybody and praying for the grace and forgiveness to flow. Next Sunday evening, as we've heard, we've got Ken Benjamin from the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity here. It's quite a mouthful. LICC have a passion for helping people connect their faith with everyday life. And one story I read from uh, a book by Mark Green tells of the uh, example of a lady who was at work and saw a colleague who was distressed. And she watched and prayed and decided that what the best thing she could do was to go downstairs, out into the street, down to the bakery and buy a muffin, this person's favorite muffin, I think it was an almond one, and bring it back in and just put it on her colleague's desk. And that simple act broke that woman into tears of gratitude because she'd been shown that she mattered, that she'd been seen, that someone cared. And the relationship grew from that point where eventually the lady who bought the muffin was able to share her faith. Think about this week that stretches out ahead of you now. Watch and pray about the places you will go, the people you will meet, the things you will see, and pray that God will help you to see them as God sees them. To transform your perception. Is that person who was rude to you a nasty person or someone who's struggling with something that you could help with? Is that person sitting on their own in the coffee shop They're on their own because they want to be or because they're lonely. Is that person on the street asking you for some money, a scrounger, or someone who needs the help that we might be able to offer? Jesus urges his disciples to watch and pray. Watch and pray about what's in front of us, but never forget there is an eternal dimension. And every time we do something in response to our praying now, it makes a difference in the eternal dimension too. We are extending God's kingdom. We are being part of the answer to that oft-prayed prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're part of God growing his kingdom here and now as well as for the future. Jesus urges us, watch 
and pray. Let's pause for a moment. Jesus, as we think about so many thoughts and images and ideas and situations that are in our hearts and minds, we pray that you will help us to see those people, those situations, those circumstances in the way that you do. Help us to watch with your eyes and to pray Pray that your spirit and your activity might transform those circumstances for your good and for the good of those people. Pray too that you would reveal to us what you would have us do. Lord Jesus, when that comes with a cost to us, we pray that we might offer it as an act of worship to you as well as service to those around us. When we're not sure what to do, then encourage us to keep praying and praying and praying until you do reveal your will. Lord, we thank you that you have told us that you have given us life in all its fullness now and an eternal future beyond our imagining. Help us to live with both realities in our life. Amen.